Science. Welcome to Probably Science. I am Andy Wood, joined by Matt Kirshen. Hello. Thank you for being here, Matt. Uh, Brooks is not with us. He will be again soon. Brooks is, Brooks is coming back soon. He's not gone for good. He but there's an empty chair right now where Brooks should be. There's a, there's a, a glass of water left yeah. out for him. <laughs> You know Brooks how he loves his water. <laughs> he does. That's one of his things. God, he's always he's always hydrated. That's that's the thing about Brooks. If he's not if, <laughs> if he's not drinking water, he's he's thinking about it in some way, shape, or form. Or he's in it. He's got tattoos of it. Yep. He's composed ninety eight percent of it. He's he's all about the water. Yep. So that's 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 Brooks there. Uh, I'm quite I'm quite excited because this is this is the first, because Brooks isn't here. This is the first podcast we're going to do where non-American voices are outnumbered, are outnumbering oh. the Americans. Oh, man. This uh, is going to make me sound even dumber. Yeah. Because yeah. here, here we have our, our special guest this week, um, Australian comedian, uh, radio host, TV host, over here now, <laughs> man about town, talking person. It's Will Anderson. Hey, thank you very much. And I, I love that you kind of assumed that naturally uh, you had a very old world opinion of how this would break down between the Australian, the Englishman, and the American? Because, of course, yes, traditionally, we would have always sided with the English. But if you've looked at any of our foreign policy yeah. inside the last 30 years, where with the US? Oh. Uh, we are, like, you, when you went, any stupid war you want to get involved in, <laughs> you guys are on board. we're like, we will come to. I don't think that's a foreign policy, though. I think you that... are Bart Simpson, and we are Millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it is. I don't know whether it's foreign policy or just Australians' enthusiasm to get stuck in. No, you know what it is, and and it's a really it's a weird thing to acknowledge as a nation because we do acknowledge it, mm-hmm. but like really kind of tacitly because you can't say it out loud because it would seem, I, I don't know, like xenophobic at best probably. Right. Uh, but basically, like we go into any stupid war America goes into with America because we're really close to China. Right? Mm-hmm. And, like, at the moment, we survived the global financial crisis right. for one reason. China are buying all the stuff we dig out of our ground in Australia, and they're keeping the Australian economy afloat. Uh-huh. But if China, yeah. if China at any stage decided, we'll just take that stuff. We're sick of paying for it. Why would we do that? There's heaps of us, and there's none of them. There's almost yeah. no... Like, I always... <laughs> I, how many people... What's the population of Australia? I always get amazed by how tiny it is. Uh, this, like, I think we just clocked over 21 or 22 million now. Oh, but, my God. That's, right. not, that's less than a tenth of the US. Right? Oh, yeah. like uh, Yeah, substantially less. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And our borders that's, that's are massive. Cities. Like, we are ripe for attack. Like New York, like the greater New York metropolitan <laughs> yeah. area alone is probably just about over that. Right? Yeah. So, like, if, if at any stage China just decides they don't want to be our friend and buy our stuff anymore and they just want to take our stuff, they can. If there's anyone listening in China, we all know this <laughs> don't is. Don't give them yeah. ideas. This no, no. Is the like, I mean, they would have, this, and it would take, like, America and Britain at least half a day to get across there as well. Right? The British, let's be honest, like, you used to be our go-to guys. Yeah. We, were, we were like, let's be mates with them. We came from them. If the wars go down, you've got a good track record. But now you guys are kind of out of that game a bit. So like, the Americans are still in the game. We've got to be friends with them. So you're the little kid in prison, and there's yeah. a new big kid in town. <laughs> That's right. That is essentially what it is. So, so why wouldn't you just find a way to ally yourselves with uh, 
ally is that the way you can you make ally into a verb you can yeah, you can you ally can. yourself with yeah so why not why not pick uh china in this fight and and take up arms against the u.s why not try to become best buds with them oh don't get me wrong we're hedging our bets okay the there's i'm sure <laughs> there's gotta be we are hedging our bets. I'm just saying that I'm on the side of the US, yeah. mostly because of their attitude to podcasts and stand-up comedy. <laughs> like, I feel like if China takes over with the attitude they have to kind of free speech and criticism... Yeah, your of, career's going to be fucked. Yeah. That's it's, a good point. It's going to be underground until I'm executed. So I'm with you guys still, you know what I mean? Until things go bad. Yeah. yeah. You're giving half your lunch money to us and half to China. Yeah. And we're both kind it's of... protection money. Out for you. I didn't even realize that, that Australia was such a... Uh, what are the main... Do you guys have a lot of oil reserves? No, um, not like tin and copper and that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's exactly right. So, like all sort of precious metals. Oh, okay, um, there is a lot of oil, like you know, uh, oil rigs off the the coast of Australia and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, uranium is our big one. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. uranium, stealing uranium. Like Australia is just the whole middle of the country. I mean, there there was a a point in time where I. Like I, I seriously thought about that idea of going, well, if we don't want to have to be nice to China and we don't want to have to be nice to America, we have heaps of uranium. Like we could go oh. a little bit, you know. Go rogue. Yeah, go, go a bit rogue. <laughs> go, because you can't go, go rogue go, if you're already a sovereign nation. Go a bit <laughs> coalition of the willing, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and just create our own nuclear weapons in the middle of the desert where no one's looking. And then... I mean, you know. I mean, there is no one looking in the middle of the desert. There's like, no one lives there. I mean, Crocodile Dundee style, we could do a bit of that's not a nuke, this is a nuke. (laughs) (laughs) And just go a bit crazy. Just one bloke building it in a shed at the back of his house. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, check it out. (laughs) By the way, what did did everyone over there think about the the American fascination with Australia in the 80s? Was that just eye-rolling? That induced over in Australia, Just or uh, three crocodile Dundee films, and suddenly everyone's. Ugh. You're not because it was you. Australia love was huge in the '80s in the US. It was. It's like any trend in society. You know, there's a moment, and it doesn't matter what it is. It happens on the news. If there's a big story about a school shooting, then it, then you will notice over the next few days there'll be a a lot of stories about school shootings. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean there's more school shootings. It means that at the moment it's the media just, focused on that idea. Right. So it gets play in there. Uh, so. There's that element of that with what happened with Australia. Some things just get swept along that aren't even really part of yeah. that moment. Yeah, but you guys just struck it. Lucky. Is it like, like if you were already doing karate when the karate kid came out? Oh, yeah. How, how glad were you? That would have been the best. Yeah, that was yeah. your window. Well, that's oh, what, why did I pick judo? <laughs> but that's exactly what it was like. And the one that got stuck through and the one that gets referenced to me in America to a point where this guy who has no career in Australia anymore would be so glad to oh, know he's I know still where you're, being... I know where you're going with this. <laughs> Yahoo serious. <Yes. laughs> he's come up so many times oh in this podcast. Yeah. I do not know what that moment Yahoo serious had here, but this is a guy who has not been mentioned in Australia for 20 years, yeah. and I cannot go 20 minutes in this country without someone bringing up <laughs> Yahoo serious. Dude, he invented the theory of relativity. Right. As, well, a youngster, as a youngster. As a youngster. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and played an electric guitar to Fuse nuclear bomb. So, like, if that doesn't warrant remembering in our in our hearts, man, he was. You know, he had a, a follow up to uh, Young Einstein, uh-huh. uh, which was about the life. It was it was from the same playbook, sort mm. of a fictionalized account of. Uh, wait, 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 fictionalized. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You guys, this is blowing my mind right now. Oh my god, is this the basis of this entire yeah, science that's, podcast? That's how is I got the, into science. Is yeah. science from Young Einstein. Yeah. Just, and he just throws down the microphone and storms off. <laughs> Nothing I knew is true. I can't trust anything. 
<laughs> that would be that embarrassing first date university where everyone's talking about like you know <laughs> what what inspired your journey into the world of science <laughs> yeah. like, well yahoo serious yeah it's just so everyone someone, suddenly goes silent yeah. the piano stops playing <laughs> you didn't even know the piano was playing until that <laughs> everyone else is like i watched cosmos yeah. uh i was a fan of i yeah and it's like oh 1985's young einstein actually mm. was the moment that it coalesced for me uh, so he made a, a movie about the Australian Bushranger, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, Bushranger was like, a, you know, like our in our version of the Wild West, your mm-hmm. Bushrangers were your uh, roadside sort of bandits. And uh, right. Ned Kelly uh, is our most famous uh, Bushranger. Uh, famous because uh, well, his Cali gang were the most sort of you know brutal of all the bush rangers, but also famous because he wore a giant bucket on his head. I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> he had like a bucket. He essentially was someone who understood branding way before. Yeah, like you know what I mean? Because there was a lot of bush rangers around, and right? Did he also played guitar for Guns and Roses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he became a session musician. But but it is that that same thing. Like way back then, you know, Buckethead from Guns and Roses, who's like, I've got a KFC bucket on my head, right? People know like you. You reference that guy not because, like, who was the gu- guitarist in Guns N' Roses before Buckethead? I don't know. Like, like, I, I mean, I mean, in between, like in between Guns N' Roses, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. there was others, right? Yeah. yeah. But the been. only one you remember is Buckethead, Buckethead right? Because yeah. he had the branding. It's a brilliant same strategy. with Ned Kelly. Yeah, he had the giant. So, um, and I'm the Google. I just Google him right now. Yeah. Hell of a beard on that guy too. He's just got a Rasputin thing going yeah. on and. Beautiful hair. This picture doesn't have the bucket, but they um, were ranging the bush, so they didn't yeah. have time to, you oh, know, trim the, thing, the mustache. Yeah. Plus, he was wearing a bucket on his head a lot of the time, so <laughs> it's hard to get the razor underneath that. <laughs> Was there I was thinking initial... you just don't care. You're like, yeah. am I going to shave? Ah, I'm wearing a bucket like, on my head anyway. If it's just know? shave just below the bucket. Yeah. Like, it's like, like a ball like cut. The, yeah, the inverse of a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> so was there an initial reason? Was it, I mean, a protective thing at first that just became an affectation yeah, he stuck it was, with? It was his armor. That's, that's exactly what it was. Against bullets. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, wasn't a, it was made out of steel. I should point that out. Yeah, it was, yeah. It wasn't a made, plastic made of iron bucket. or something. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> like one that they used for sandcastles. No. <laughs> seaside plastic bucket. No, it was it was an armor of some kind. Yeah. yeah so, but he's our most celebrated bush ranger. Right. And uh, um, and and he's he's really quite famous in Australia. So uh, Yahoo Serious uh, mm. decided that was going to be his next movie. Oh, Did he do okay. Young Ned Kelly or something? Or? It was called Reckless Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've seen Young Einstein, you've kind of seen the plot of so, same sort of take on uh, Ned Kelly's l- life. Yeah, and then he made a third film, really? Uh, yeah, which uh, where he stepped away from his uh, historical yes. parody sort of uh, milieu, yeah. and he stepped into the genre of uh, I think it was more physical comedy. Okay, uh, and it was called Mister Accident. <laughs> Uh, about a about a particularly accident prone person. Mr. Accident sounds like like the Japanese version of the name of another film. Like, yeah. like, like, like just an existing Hollywood film that they've just gone. We'll call it Mr. Accident. Yeah. yeah. Maybe just like an action movie that was yeah, a Bruce Willis kind of thing, or it just sounds like an obvious reappropriation of Mr. Bean for like yeah. an Australian audience. So did he speak? In this Mr. Accident movie, or was it you know what? pantomime? I'm not, I'm not as uh, across Mr. Accident as I am a, oh, across okay. his <laughs> earlier work. <laughs> By the way, I, looking at Ned Kelly just reminded me, I just saw Django Unchained last week. Have you seen that yet? I still I haven't seen yet. it, no. no. Oh, neither of you have. Oh, okay. because Tarantino makes a cameo in it, 
but for some reason he this is, takes place in uh, pre Civil War South in the U.S. Yeah, and uh, Quentin Tarantino plays an Australian yep. slave trader, which I don't know if that was a thing that uh, was common back then. But it, it's odd because he doesn't even do convincing Australian accents. I don't know why, and he. He directed the movie. He could have written himself any part, and he chose to put himself in a part that required even more heavy lifting, acting-wise, than he's capable of. I, I know why he did it, okay. uh, because uh, it is compulsory as an Australian to recognise uh, any time uh, when an Australian is uh, mentioned in world press. Like, it, like, we all get an email, the news letter goes around, Austra- something's happening in Australia, Hugh Jackman won an award, let's all celebrate. So suddenly they're like, oh, there's an Australian in this one. Yeah, we need to- right? As long as there's a local angle, that, that's all we want to know. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, he's fascinated by um, the history of what they used to call uh, Ausploitation films. Oh! So, like, the old sort of old yeah. school. And so he's a real student of all that, and he always casts sort of Australian actors or people in, like, uh, John Jarrett, I think, is uh, in oh, okay. this. And, and so he's fascinated by that era. He was interviewed in this great documentary they made about that Not era. Not quite Hollywood? Show. Yeah, right? Great movie. I love that movie. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Tarantino is one of those guys a bit like Bono, where you think he spends half his time making stuff and the other half of the time just being interviewed in documentaries. <laughs> like, you, know, like, you just cannot watch a documentary about any sort of musician. And then, oh, Bono's there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, does he film them all the same day or does he... He has a lot of like a opinions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bet. Wonder if he just has his own studio that he does it on. Like, just kind of gets the camera going. Right, Bono, we need a talking head. I'll go downstairs uh, to the studio. I'll go. There's yeah. no one else with him. He just goes through a stock. Like, he just looks through like AllMusic.com yeah. and just has opinions about every. Or there's act. just like a he library. Just runs them off. He goes yeah. through the iTunes yeah. top ten and goes, "All right, here's what I think about Alicia Keys." Yeah. There's a library of Bono opinions somewhere that you can use. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just go to the library music catalog. Oh, I'll get an opinion now on uh, on gospel. Yeah. Right? Well, that's actually not a bad idea. Kajagugu yeah. in 1983 yeah. was at the top of their game. Did Kajagugu make it to America? <laughs> Isn't that too shy? Yeah, yeah. yeah I did. Oh, was a big hit. Yeah, yeah. I did not know they made it across to this side. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> just a great name. It's just a great band name to say. It's yeah. sort of onomatopoeic or something. I don't know if that's the right word. I don't know if it is. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, it would only be onomatopoeic if Kajagoo, like if it, That's the noise it, I make when I fall downstairs, is why yeah. I say it's onomatopoeic. I don't know. You're just chocolate to mediocre 80s band. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I thought before we even do the compulsory science quiz, I would point out one pseudoscientific article that I happened to come across on the BBC Science saying that Sydney recently had their hottest day on record. Did you know? You, uh, you must be aware of this. I do you? know that. I, in fact, I just <laughs> I left there... <laughs> couple of days before that happened mm-hmm. and I, I live in Sydney when I live in Australia so I was right across this and uh, the week before uh, they had put a new colour on the temperature spectrum I saw that, uh, it got it got so hot that they'd run out of colours yeah. for the, wow. yeah. for the know, maps This is my thing that fascinates me uh, now I'm <laughs> I'm sorry to have misled you to get on your podcast, but I'm no scientific expert. God damn it! <laughs> uh, Good booking, Matt. What, Jesus. But there's always going to be that point where, and no matter what people think of climate science or you know whatever your opinions on that are, yeah. I just feel like we're going through one of those periods of time at the moment where down the track when we look back and people are like, well, where, where were the signs? Like, I didn't know <laughs> this was going to happen. Where were the signs? Some of us will be looking back and going, hey, you remember when... They had to put a new colour on that <laughs> chart that they had had forever to measure extreme weather. You know how there was just one summer where they went, "Oh, we've run out of chart." We're gonna, yeah. yeah we, there's, there's no red that's red enough now. We're right. gonna, they like, crossed over into purple, didn't they? Right. They, and I'm like, well, that 
Isn't that one of the signs? <laughs> yeah, it's isn't, pretty clear. Isn't he, you know what we've been we've been so lucky as pe- like people of our generation, I think, because like normally some generations only get to experience one once in a lifetime weather event. Yet we are having once in a lifetime weather events every year now. Yeah, every year in our lifetime. I mean, but I think I think we're also lucky in that we we lived through the time that no one gave a, no one gave a damn. Like we we lived through the. We we lived through all the irresponsibility, and now like people who are being born now are going to have to deal with the consequences. They're going to have the really like restrictions on energy use, and like if if the laws get passed, which they should, it's almost we like all die. Yeah, it's almost like we lived through the college years, and now yeah. like and like our kids are going to pay off the debt but to humanity a- that we've just given. But them. but you, college just- years that were spent not studying and just racking up lots of student loan debts. Yeah, exactly. And then getting and a just- degree that wasn't useful for a job, like those kind of college years. Exactly. And yeah. you really are going to have to sit them down and go, yeah. We used to fly places. <laughs> I used to drink water from a bottle. <laughs> a plastic yes, bottle. A plastic bottle that I would throw away. <laughs> just throw it away. Yeah. Just done. Yeah. And not, not even like, no, 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 not one of the big, bo- no, not the big tanks that we have now. Like just, you know, a little, about the size of a glass. I, I, like, what's a glass? <laughs> I, I was, uh, I, I, in fact, while I'm saying this, I have a tiny bottle of water that was flown in from another country. <laughs> they flew. Did you live in a country that didn't have water? Oh, no, no, no. no. You could drink the water from the tap. <laughs> but why would you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 46.5, I'm sorry, 45.8 degrees Celsius, which uh, that's. Can I don't you know, do the maths? I can do them. It takes me a little while. The way I do it is I know 20 degrees is 68 degrees, and those are both room temperature ish. Right. And then every time you go up or down by 5 degrees Celsius, you go up or down by um, nine. 9 in Fahrenheit. Right. Yep. So then you'd go up, if you go up five times nine, so 45 above 68, so uh, 132. 132. There you go. Jesus. <laughs> That's really hot. Yeah. Wait, was that math right? 68. Uh, I think that'd be about right. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it's not right. No? I, what did I just say? No, it's uh, <laughs> totally wrong. It's uh, 25. <laughs> 112. <laughs> oh, my God. No. I just lost the ability to do math. No, 113. 113 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm so embarrassed. I can't and even I remember just, what the uh, the Celsius amount was now. <laughs> it was a, it 40, was about forty six. Yeah, about forty six. So you're going about don't 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 look in your phone yet. I want to give my exact guess. Okay, it's okay. forty five point eight Celsius, and my guess is um, one hundred fourteen. Yeah, it's what's one fourteen. Yeah, it's one. Yeah. Nice. That okay. It okay. It's actually one hundred fourteen point four four, but 0. we'll 4. let that slide. Okay. That's pretty good, though. That was pretty. Good. Took me too long, but um, that is damn hot. Yeah, <laughs> that is damn. That hot. is very hot. I hope. I hope when someone invented podcasts, they 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 knew that at some stage it would just be people listening to someone do math. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to probably arithmetic with Andy Wood, and no one else. It's just oh, Andy no. in a cupboard while we Believe shout me, puzzles at him. This is this is not for anybody but me. <laughs> this is not for a listening audience. This is one of those moments. I have these moments a couple times a week where I have to do something like that to prove to myself that I'm not. That you're still capable, like remembering a phone to- number, the stuff that I always used to do in my head. And oh, I've just got a thing in my pocket that works it all out. Yeah, or the, the fact that I have a, I have a degree in engineering that I'm just not using at all, and not only that, I can't even do fast arithmetic anymore. So I, I'm just embarrassed. At I, I have a degree in math, and I just went straight to the phone. I don't know. I just use the use the computer. Realistically, I should have been the one as the engineer to use a device to help me solve the problem however I could, yep. right? And then you as the Although I didn't have any numbers by the time I got to my degree. There were very few numbers. Abstract. Yeah. Theoretical stuff. Whereas you had actual things. You had bridges and... 
Well, actually, yeah, but I didn't really do much civil. Triangles. Actually, most of my degree was was theoretical, also because I, I was never a tinkerer. I never I never soldered. I graduated without ever using a soldering iron. God damn it! <laughs> electrical engineering degree never never soldered anything, or even said the word time. electrical, or even yeah, <laughs> just. Yep. Oh, so this actually is usually the time of the show when we ask our guest if you have any science background, and if so, what that consists of. If not, it's fine. But uh, uh, I don't have a lot of. I I'm I'm a person who, as an adult, I, I wish that I'd known how interested I was in knowing stuff when I was a kid, because we have a system wh- uh-huh. which is designed to teach you everything you need to know. Yeah. And yet I spent so much of that system... Pissing about. Pissing about <laughs> and rejecting and just for no reason other than I decided I didn't need to know the stuff right. that I now wish, in retrospect, I knew and have spent a lot of my considerable adult life trying to learn about... That you would have just ha- learned from a professional at a young age and have drummed into your head. It, it sends me insane how much I pissed about in French class. Do you know what I mean? Really? Like, because as an adult... The ability to speak French is something that I would love. I would love that. For four years, I had a free class I went to that taught French. And I did anything (laughs) I could to not learn that language, you know? Is there anything they could have done, though, that would have... I mean, if someone had told you at the time, in 10 or 20 years, you're going to be able to pick up women if you listen right now would that have sunk in would that have helped well, I, I mean that's I, not even why but I mean I guess that is the problem but it's just like well this is my thing when it comes to science like when I was because I was interested in the arts yeah it was almost like this thing of just going alright well screw the sciences then yeah and then of course like you know you become an adult person yeah. and you want to know how the world works then it's very hard to ignore the sciences. It is. I mean, unless you're one of those people who's just like, I I love all science apart from climate scientists who are all in a conspiracy (laughs) to make up. I love mostly the science of guns that I keep in my shed. And... But I mean, like, you know, even the people who deny climate science are going to the doctor and trusting that science and are using their using their cell phone they're yeah. using their iphone to ring the radio station and they're complaining about the climate totally <laughs> i had i had a bit about that a while ago just just about going like people who reject science shouldn't be allowed to benefit like people can't use science you shouldn't be able, able to, to use, use the science. internet to spread your word you do to, it. yeah just go yeah. town to town shouting right? your opinion <laughs> that's it you've so if you've opted out of science science yeah. is opting out of you it should be that sort of system. Yeah. So, like uh, a scientist sense. just goes around town and just sits these people down and go, "We need to. Right. We this isn't working between you and I. <laughs> uh, so unless you change your ways, uh, no more science yeah. for you. No it's more just, technology. You. It's an opt in. It's an opt out. So it makes but, sense. So as an adult, I have always uh, tried to go towards those uh, science communicators who are good at. Uh, letting me actually understand stuff. Right, right. So, like, obviously, Richard Dawkins is the sort of person that I initially got into that whole idea of, like, he was explaining so easily yeah. how, like, the world worked. And Simon Singh, who's, like, a mathematician who I... Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Really, I think his stuff's really easy to understand. Yeah, he's a really... Because I, th- I think partly he's... I don't think... He, he doesn't work as a scientist. He's a journalist. Right. Who writes so, about... So, yeah, but he's clearly has a science back. He probably yeah. did... I'm sure he did a science subject, but he's just a really... Cli- Clear communicator. Communicator, right? And the, the guy who's the big one uh, who would be familiar to Australian audiences, but maybe not to anyone else, uh, there's an Australian guy called Dr. Karl Kruzelnitsky. Okay. And uh, he is like one of those guys who's he's just a popular science communicator, uh-huh. but he's mad and wonderful. Like he'll do <laughs> that sort of thing of going, like he, every week on both the youth radio station and the most old, old fogey radio station you'll ever see, he does exactly the same segment, which is an hour of calls of people just going, 
how does this work or why doesn't this work or I noticed this and and he, you, you just listen to this guy talk and this wow. brain where he'll explain and or he'll go to other people or he'll he won a uh, they have these awards called the ignoble oh, awards is that, that yeah, what they yeah. are right and they're for scientific discoveries that don't really of dubious merit well yeah, yeah just there's no yeah right yeah. Some well, of it's not that, no it's not that they're, that they're dubious they're studies on things that have no real like benefit or interest to the world. Yeah, because some oh, of them actually right, have okay. actually ended up being proper bits of science. Like they're not, they're not. Because I remember when I when it, the when they first came out, they were ridiculous ones. Yeah. And then then you're gonna go, oh no, that actually does have some sense. That yeah, they're all things that for some reason have been studied in yeah. a scientific manner, but not. So he won one of those for his work on belly button fluff. He did this giant study on like <laughs> why your belly button fluff is the colour it is and why it has that homogenous colour. I like, think I remember that this... coming out. Right. I remember that. I remember reading a news article. So it's like about a it. proper scientific study. It just is about it's done belly correctly. Fluff, it's just about a right? trivial subject. Yeah, yeah, totally right. But he's great anyway. So if anyone That's ever awesome. has an opportunity, he's written like you know it's like 30 books and they're all those sort of like they all have a wacky title and there's a wacky shirt because his whole thing is like I'm going to explain to you why the sky is blue and make it interesting in layman's terms yeah 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 have you heard of you know Bill Bryson? He wrote. Of course, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm in the middle of his uh, short history of nearly everything book, which is interesting because he, he came at the subject of well trying to you know trying to discuss everything from the dawn of time from a layperson or from like. You know, a liberal arts. Yeah, because he has no scientific background. As far yeah, as I and he was embarrassed by the fact that he didn't have a layman's explanation of things like why is the sky blue and 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 how 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 do scientists even know the things they know that that we all take for granted now? Like, how do right? they even come? To, and he's like, how do I, how am I an adult in this world? I don't understand the answer to these things. So he took it upon himself to write this exhaustive book. It's really good. Yeah, and it's great to see it written from a non scientist standpoint because yeah it's a different perspective on it but um well actually this actually uh, dovetails nicely into the quiz that our third host usually gives which is the lightning round science uh i don't know if there is a, what's the word for it what's the full name of this thing just the probably science guest quiz quiz <laughs> pop quiz no wrong quick answers question. quick as you can favorite scientist oh okay um uh, uh the dude from uh, fringe what's his name walter um, <laughs> Do you ever watch the TV show Friends? No, it's funny. My, my coworker does, and she picked that show just to start watching recently because she wanted to have a show to watch after work every day that is long. There's a lot of episodes that she could just turn off her brain. Right, you can too, because it's based on the most dubious science of all time. Yeah. Like every episode, there's some sort of like, They'll, they'll be explaining some you know, alternate dimension, but they won't really be explaining it. Yeah. They'll always do like, hey, have you ever like touched like a cantaloupe and your fingers sink into the skin? <laughs> yeah, well, it's like that, but with universes. <laughs> and you're like, okay, is it? I don't think it is. Um, I know, I, look, I would say, um, I mean, I'm going to say Dr. Carl, the I guy like I it. talked about. Why not? That makes sense. Least favorite scientist? Oh, uh, well, any of those people who like... Uh, actually, because the thing I like about science is um, the idea that people are driven just by the facts. Uh-huh. So any scientist who uh, is willing to misrepresent the facts. So like I think of you know the the, the very few climate people who come oh, yeah, out yeah, and yeah, sort yeah. of or yeah the cigarette scientists or the the people who well beyond when they all know that something is really bad. That's for a good you answer. Fun- yeah, the like, guys who were basically funded by Exxon Mobil and yeah. and still claim right? or the cock brothers and then yeah, still going, yeah. no, climate science is just it's just solar solar yeah. fluctuation. It if, isn't anymore. It's if just- you're a PR, like if that's your job, like if you're in PR and someone hands you a water cash, 
lie for them. If you are a person who is a lawyer and you are paid to represent someone yeah. vigorously, you, you do that for them, right? right? That's your job, yeah. But scientists are meant to be about just, That's here true. are the facts and here is my representation. Like, yeah, this is what I've drawn from the facts. Not my right. opinion, not my blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, and so they're the ones that always bother me just because of that idea where I'm like, oh, exactly. Yeah. That's the best, that's the best answer and the most generally applicable. Yeah. And all the like the guy who started the whole vaccine scare. Andrew Wakefield that, is his name. Yeah, and he's yeah, a, and uh, I think he's in America now and he's just, um, like he, he's just, he has now been just convicted of fraud. He's been struck off by the British medical council and he was found that half of the kids already were showing signs of autism and he faked right. results and, and he was given hundreds of thousands by a, by lawyers who were specifically trying to sue pharmaceutical companies on behalf of parents with of of autistic kids and he just got away with it for years and he's he started a scare or propagated a scare anyway because there's always vaccine scares i remember when i was a kid like i never got the whooping cough vaccine because that was the scare of the day when i was oh, in really? in britain yeah it's regional as well like like, like they, they crop up with different illnesses and different in different regions at different times and in 1980, when I was born in Britain, whooping cough was the one that, that was the, thing. That was the scary wow. vaccine that, at that time. But um, so it always pops up. But the MMR one, the measles one is really like measles is really serious. And because of him, thousands of kids have gone unvaccinated. And, and because of dumb journalists. Yeah. yeah. And because of dumb journalists who've then taken the idea and run with it and even still just kind of got like the science is so done it's so complete now yeah and they'll still write articles that just leave it in the in the condition or the possible like could this be evidence that well it's part of that problem with cast um, doubt on and just no 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 yeah. doubt. it's part it's, of the problem with uh, he said she said journalism which is what the news cycle is now the totally news, the news cycle isn't people just going out and saying well what are the facts here and i'll represent you know the facts right what it is is People are going out and saying, "Well, I'll just get a he said and she said from both sides," and then we'll have the them argue it out, and it, and gives the idea that there is if they're equal position. Exactly, it gives the idea that they have equal credence, no. despite the fact that with some like climate change or with the vaccine, it's sort of ninety nine point nine nine percent of all scientific consensus, and then just like a couple of a couple of either whack jobs or frauds or people in the pocket of big companies are saying the opposite. Well, it's only fair if you're going to have one person on giving you facts, there should be a person giving <laughs> you non-facts. Otherwise, you're not being fair. Right? Yeah, if they introduced it like that, I would be fine with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, like we, presenting the side, we, presenting the yeah. side of the not truth yeah. is... We, yeah. we feel like we've given you what we perceive to be the truth here, <laughs> but we feel like we have a responsibility to represent nut jobs. Uh, this is that part of the show yeah. so in wacky corner <laughs> just, it just goes to corner it's got its own little like musical yeah. sting <laughs> uh, those people who play the system and it's really interesting I was thinking about I was watching the Lance Armstrong interview and he, I was interested in his uh, doctor Dr. Ferrari who they were saying uh, this was like such a fascinating story this Dr. Ferrari who was the one who was like you know the one the expert uh-huh. in the you know so this is again you know, a doctor, a scientist in his own right, who his area of expertise is blood doping and avoiding these tests. And, you know, he's the best in his game. Yeah, right. But he had this situation where at some, one stage he was working for the cycling body as the person testing how quickly they could identify the tests. So, for example, wow. so he, he was working for them. He was their expert in the field saying, uh-huh. I'll be the guy, I'll run all these tests on you know how we can detect the the things they're taking <laughs> yeah. and how long it is while well, he was the person who was overseeing the overseeing doping, the doping as well yeah so as soon as he, he would be able to like 
discover his own breakthroughs and then move on. <laughs> and he was getting paid by both sides. I was like, I mean, he made that choice to do that, you know. Yeah. Like, he didn't, like, that didn't just fall in his lap. like a guy who decides to be, like, a lawyer for the mafia yeah. or whatever. Just like, um, but you know what I mean? That's exactly it. You're always fascinated by that guy who went, all right, well, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. I, I when he made like that choice in his life. Because it was niche. a clear choice at some point right? that he made. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's a bad scientist, too, if you can call a doctor a scientist. Yeah. Um, lightning round questions. Uh, okay. What is the coolest experiment you've ever been part of? Oh, um, uh, I, I can turn an apple into a bong. Does that, um, <laughs> that is not the first time that answer has come yeah, up. Yeah, that <laughs> I, um, we had a lot of uh, cannabis scientists yeah, on this show. Doing a lot of experimentation in the subject. of. You know what? It's funny. It's probably not good from the world of science, but I do. This is like uh, my lasting memory from uh, year 11 uh, chemistry and my uh, teacher, his name was Ted Cooper, Teddy Cooper, and his punishment, which was a pretty good punishment, was if you were bad in science class, we had those very tall stools uh, mm-hmm. they had to sit on, and he would make you hold them, like arm out one of these stools, oh, like, oh. and it just hold it up. Like it was quite a. <laughs> That's yeah, harsh. It was, I went to school at Guantanamo Bay. Did yeah. I mention that? Yeah, they and, just put you in stress positions with a hood over your head for a bit. So you never. I just watched Zero Dark Thirty, and it wasn't that bad. I mean, that was, well, you never wanted to do something bad in his class. So I remember one time we were doing some Bunsen burner related experiment, and I know that I had something bubbling in a beaker, mm-hmm. and I had I was holding the beaker with the the sort of the pliers. I've now I've lost me on my scientific, but whatever they are. So I'm holding the beaker. Tongs, I believe. Tongs. Tongs. <laughs> Could have got that from cooking shows. Uh, I've got my tongs and the beaker. And there was this girl that I wanted to impress. Uh-huh. So I like grabbed it and I like... I, I literally said these words. This is this is so horrible for me to even <laughs> say this now. Yeah, you're, you're, cring- right. you're like... You're, I am. You're tensing up. Because it's... I, I like I waved it over the open Bunsen burner flame and I went, flirting with danger. <laughs> uh, at which point... <laughs> <laughs> the universe said screw you <laughs> and so it smashed all over like the f- so I'm trying to do my cool person move and then it like but everyone like laughs right and then I have to hold this chair out in front of me for the rest of the, the class How because I smashed class? it right probably I probably there was another 10 minutes or whatever to go <laughs> But I also have this like lasting memory, and I hadn't. I, I don't. I don't think I even realised this until I started telling this story right now. Is that I also remember that's this is my first moment in life, not where people laughed at me because people had laughed before, but normally it had been in ways where you're in on the joke. Yeah, it was like the first time in my life where people were laughing at me, like right. I wasn't in on the joke. I had been the the dickhead at the butt of the joke yeah, yeah. and now I was being punished. So it was just hilarious to everyone only at my <laughs> expense, right? I wasn't in on it. I was the butt of the joke and I was still enjoying it. <laughs> like I was still like, oh, no, I'm fine with this laughter either way. So you think that was the spark of an idea? that? <laughs> well, that bit where, because you know there's always that point where you're like, nah, I'm going to have to take the laughs whether I'm in on them or whether they're <laughs> laughing at me. Yeah. Like that. I think that was literally my moment where I was like, oh, no, I can... I'll happily just let him laugh at me as well. Wow, as, that little yeah. seed blossomed into the stand-up right. career. Yeah. I don't think that moment's happened for me yet. <laughs> <laughs> you have to make Andy stand with a stool for the rest yeah. of the podcast. No, I've been laughed at plenty. I just never crossed the line and been like, yeah, this is great. 
That's, that's sorry. That's, this is, that wasn't a very good lightning round. No, answer, I like. No, but, it's, no. Uh, uh, it actually reminded me of a, a. I totally. I don't think I've ever brought this up in the show before. But we had a chemistry teacher who uh, was very. She was great. Mrs. McGrath um, was my high school chemistry teacher, and um, she was. Uh, she loved to be dramatic with the the introduction of the various chemicals. So she brought out this one jug of sulfuric acid that was extremely high concentration. I think it was eighteen molar. And I don't know why that sticks in my head, but um, and I can't even explain what the term molar means, but very strong acid. And she was going to great length to explain how dangerous this was. We were going to use this for this one experiment this one day, but that nobody, like everyone has to be on top of their game, paying very close attention to everything they're doing, because if any of this gets on you, it will instantly burn you severely. Like, this is the strongest acid they have in the locked cabinet back there. And so, of course, once... We're at our lab stations, and it's been brought around. I have to take a drop of it and put it on my arm to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and it did pretty much what you'd expect yeah. it to do. It sizzled. It bubbled. It was instantly extremely painful. <laughs> yeah. And then I had to wash it off and act and, and not give any sort of tell that I'd just done this. So she right. couldn't, I couldn't react with the pain that I was feeling because then she would know that I'd done this. Yeah, instantly went under the faucet, tried to wash it off. Um had a scar there for at least the next year or so, yeah. just from that one dot of 18 molar sulfuric. So kids, uh, listen, and the teacher tells yeah. you. Like, she could have been, if she hadn't played it up, if she'd just been like, this is acid, we're going to do this with it, nothing. But the fact that she spent so long explaining how dangerous it was and You're how we like, couldn't do anything with it, like, yeah, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to touch a little of this to my skin. It wasn't smart. Um, anyhow, uh Lightning round. We've gotten off track. Well, let's cut. Let's cut to the phone. Let's, as well let's just... cut straight to what's the biggest explosion you've ever yes, been a part of. That's the best one. Oh, oh that's a good question. Um, biggest explosion I've ever been a part of. Um, oh, look, I'm, I'm going to have to take a, a one degree of separation because it was my brother's uh, quad bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, that, is that what you call it? Four wheeler or wheel terrain quad bike? I, like, I certainly call them a quad bike. Quad is bike. That, yeah. It is called. You know, it's ATVs. a four wheel, a four yeah. wheel motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows what I'm talking yeah. about, right? Um, it, it's uh, they're the most dangerous uh, vehicle. Uh, sort oh, really? Of per, Statistically, that's yeah, the whatever thing. it is. Like the one. Oh, that I can, know. So many people have had accidents on them. Yeah, you roll them all the time. Like uh, you know, people yeah. don't wear helmets on them necessarily right. because and you, and you tend to go on them like on a you're like on, on a hills vacation or, or stuff. They take them over sand dunes in yeah, Dubai. Like, people think they're Jubilee. Gina Yasherite like smashed herself up. Like came off one in Dubai going over a comic. Oh yeah, last yeah. comic standing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she, I think it was in Dubai where like she went over a hill and just like took the hill too steep, too fast, and then just flipped it. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, well, um, it turns out they're not just dangerous when you're uh, riding them. Uh, <laughs> my no. brother uh, came back from like you know just going around checking because we oh, we grew up on a dairy farm mm-hmm. and my brother now works on the dairy farm and he came back from just going out and checking on the animals a- and he didn't leave the bike on he didn't uh, like you know there wasn't any fire around it yeah it literally just exploded <laughs> wow <laughs> like an entire quad bike like just next to it. their house. Just exploded. It was its time. It was. It was its time. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was like, like it was like the world's pissiest episode of Homeland. But it, <laughs> there was no explanation. It just exploded. It was then unexpected. Just a, then just a letter comes through with in Arabic claiming. Uh, 
claiming responsibility. My brother had made a weird video two years earlier, but it was unrelated <laughs> to that, and it should have been released at the time. So I'd yeah, love, that would be it. I'd love to see the Al Qaeda training videos beforehand. Yeah, maybe they're just like they're just they've set up like a BMX course in the <laughs> in the mountains of Afghanistan. They're jumping their ATVs. Uh, that's. Uh, that's incredible. So yeah, yeah. don't uh, stay away from four wheelers, everybody. They're not, they're yeah. they're no good at all. Matt, it looks like you're uh, readying a story for us. Am well, I correct? Well, here's a story. Here's a fun fun one. Uh, it turns out um, this is an experiment in mice, uh, but it turns out light in the womb is necessary for the development of healthy eyes. Hmm. So light, um, they they try so keeping. If it's a sunny day, legs open. Is that? That's exactly it. Yeah. If anyone's if anyone's pregnant right now, get yourself well exposed. <laughs> But they, they uh, obviously, you know, the baby's like, like, not much light comes through, but a small amount does pass through the skin, which you know anyway, if you ever, like, it, if you put a torch against your hand as a kid, and go, oh, my hand's all glowing red. Right. Uh, so some light comes through, and it turns out if you don't let that happen, um, the eyes in this mice didn't develop properly. Uh, which is kind of weird. Like, uh,. When they say not properly, were they just hypersensitive or not sensitive enough once they were born? Or they it says it says in the article altered eye development. So I'm going to see what that means. Um, but uh, well, this BBC News article says uh, there's not enough light to see inside a mouse. So you know, if anyone's <laughs> traveling inside a mouse, be aware of that fact. But tiny quantities of light do get through, um, and they believe that. Uh, Okay, so what normally happens is a network of blood vessels, which are known as the hyaloid vasculature, vasculature rather, is formed to help nourish the retina as it's constructed. And when it's constructed, when the retina is fully constructed, um, because the blood vessels will be in the way of sight, once mm-hmm. the retina is constructed, they go. So it's almost like scaffolding that forms while the retina is forming. Oh, okay. And is is this not just the origin story of Bane from the Batman <laughs> film? Yeah. Like, it, these mice would be, you know, their eyes would be no good to the real world, but they would be great for fighting Batman in the darkness. Exactly that. So they uh, they experimented, they set mice on Bane. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, so what happens is when the pregnancy is spent in total darkness, these, like, scaffolding blood vessels that help build the retina don't fall away, don't disappear. Um... And and stay in the way and lead to uh, inhibited eyesight. Scaffold of, eye, as they call it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's well, so. That's the lesson is just expose your. All kidding aside, is to expose your your belly and yeah. the outside. Well, when no, you're I, pregnant, I think or? I don't think you need to worry about. Like, I think anyone who's pregnant, like you, enough light does come through you're normally. Like, they kept these mice in complete darkness. Right, but, but it, it like just. If, but if you like, say, Fritzl style, have like your mother of your child in a dungeon or something, mm-hmm. you want like a window. Yeah, yeah. You want to make it a southern exposure like dungeon. A, that, yeah, just yeah, or one of those light. One <laughs> of those are uh, like white light for people with SAD. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's like, you just get one of those we, in there. We have one of those in our in our windowless writer's room, and I just, I can't believe it does anything. I, I just, I don't know why. I just, if it doesn't make sense intuitively to me, the science could be sound, but I'm looking at this crappy-looking little light in the corner, and I just can't believe it. I mean, like, I, some of those windowless, room, like, office rooms, though, where they've just got the fluorescent strip light, it is good to have some kind of full-spectrum white light in the room that... Yeah. I think, I mean, it, I'm pretty sure it does, affect, like, it does affect pe- some people's moods in it. Yeah. And it's definitely the case that light affects your body clock your circadian rhythms and right, that's right. messed with in some way by there not being much light or or because you spend your whole day like we're 
we're we evolved to be outside and now we're yeah. inside a building with artificial lighting no, the thing is, like the science sounds legitimate, but just looking at this rinky-dink light in the room, maybe, I can't imagine this thing is helping. Maybe, us. maybe you've not got a good one. Maybe I don't. But it just doesn't even look like the color spectrum that sunlight does. Right, it's way bluer than than sun. Anyway, maybe it works. Uh, we'll keep it on. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we're in that writer's room for so long. It's uh, this is the first weekend that I've. Uh, by the way, happy summer, everybody. <laughs> the, the, yeah, it's sunny, nice weather. Yeah, it's been 80 and sunny. I'm loving this. This is this has been... This is... I mean, that's a kind of shitty thing to say to any listener who isn't in LA. Because apparently, but, I don't know what it is in Chicago right now. We had to suffer through the misery of And it's on fire in Australia. Degree. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's going to be ridiculous in Australia right now. Yeah, it's on fire. My parents, uh, where they live, uh, have bushfires. And so they've been fighting uh, bushfires like for the last week or so. And they had uh, animals that they just discovered because they were cut off from where you know, the animals were. And like miles of land had been burnt out and all the animals, like 60 or so of them, had gathered on the one tiny patch that had not been burnt by the fires. Wow. And yeah, was, was, was there two of every sex? Two of every sex. <laughs> like, they were on a boat, which was yeah. weird. They'd, book, they'd build a boat <laughs> themselves. Turns out we didn't need humans. It's like one of those uh, specialty yeah. cruises for like fans of Smash Mouth <laughs> and the Gin yeah. Blossoms. Yeah. <laughs> All your favorites from the 90s. Mark McGrath brings you the new arc. Yeah. I just want to fly. Actually, there is. <laughs> that's a real thing. And not the animal part, but that's a real cruise next year. And we were talking about it at work. And I was like, that sounds pretty fun, actually. It's like things, being sugar, on a, sugar Ray. Uh, being on a boat with Smash Mouth. Spin from? Doctors, Smash Mouth, Jim Blossoms. Wow. <laughs> Vertical Horizon. It's like all these bands I hate, but put them together, it sounds kind of fun. I don't know. Right. Like not even ironically. I kind of want to go on this thing. If any Probably Science listeners want to join me, hit me up. Uh, ProbablyScience at gmail.com. We'll set it up. We'll make it happen. It'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be <laughs> all the favorite bands from the 90s plus Andy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have have uh, dinner with Andy and reminisce about that time you saw Smash Mouth yeah. this afternoon. And the lead singer of Collective Soul. Like just only can only get one of the guys from Collective Soul. Like, what's the rest of Collective Soul Can doing? they even call it's themselves Collective Soul at that point? Yeah, it's, it's sort of the singular soul, really. Dispersed soul. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, actually, but speaking of, um, of seasonal affective disorder, which we were briefly... Uh, I found this article on ScienceDaily.com that says that loneliness, like chronic stress, taxes the immune system. Which I guess sort of makes sense intuitively also, but to see an actual study showing that that being alone can actually weaken your immune system that's like adding uh, injury to injury i guess that's uh so if you're, you're a germaphobe if you're a germaphobe if you're a germaphobe and you're like i'm gonna stay away from people because i don't want to catch anything that actually increases your chance yes. of catch. yep they said uh researchers found that people who were more lonely showed signs of elevated latent herpes <laughs> virus reactivation and produced more inflammation related proteins in response to acute stress than did people who felt more socially connected you know, it does. It kind of does explain that we view the world, you know, in relation to what we think the norm is, because otherwise that story would actually be headlined more bad news for germaphobes. Yeah, because they are the people who are actually going to lose most out of this story. Yeah, and yeah. they've not, they've barely been mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been trying to stay away from everybody. I mean, actually, I've already gone through. Have you had the flu or cold this year? The thing that's been going around. You know what? Like, I don't tend to get sick, which is a great thing to say just immediately before you get sick, yeah. right? Yeah. But I don't tend to get sick. I um, Living dangerously. What was it you said before? 
I don't. Flirting with danger. Yeah. <laughs> Flirting with danger. I don't get sick. Oh, Ebola. Really? <laughs> How did that happen? Why would they even have that in chemistry class? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, sometimes I feel like, and I, I don't mean like that I have some like great constitution or whatever, but I just kind of think when you're like a comedian and when you travel the world and stuff, you feel, you just like feel kind of shit all the time. Yeah. So I sometimes find it hard to notice if I'm like sick or if I'm just like jet lagged or I'm just yeah. like hungover. No, I'm the same way. Yeah, I, I totally feel that the that stress lowers your immune system, which has been shown. Um, and I, and I try to be as stress free as I can, but uh, somehow even even in the things that we do that shouldn't be stressful compared to quote unquote real jobs, I still find ways of being stressed about them. You know, like even the recording of this podcast might be stressing me out at times. I'm like, wait a second, this is a thing we're doing for fun with our friends. This is by no means something that should. Be. Has there been any studies on like? relative levels of stress in that regard like you know that that real stress as in like you can you qualitatively measure like you know your version of stress against Uh an actual stress situation i believe you can i believe there are various ways to quantify stress physiological ways so has there what, what i'd like to know is like is there any like would it matter if it was real stress or is it only your perception of stress that elevates your stress levels? Like if you think that the podcast is really, really stressful, would that be at, a, at the same level as if you were actually facing something that was like, really stressful? dangerous, do you mean? Like yeah, something that other people would consider more stressful. Do you I, know I, what I mean? I, I, well, bet, I think I bet stress is, is subjective. Yeah. Like, well, so, yeah, stress is, you know, in the same way that for me, like I, I, I don't like heights. So, like standing on a like a, even like a five meter diving board makes me incredibly nervous. Yeah. Whereas to some people that'd be nothing. Um, but we have the same actual level of danger. But we, but for me, like my adrenaline would be spiked m- right. much higher than theirs. So well, a lot of people say their main fear is public speaking, right? Right. So, oh, that's a, it's perfect. Like you know, unless it's a big, unless it's like a big gig, like it. Right. A regular gig now, I'll just walk. Oh, okay, I'm on now. Someone just said my name. Like, no, almost no. So I, I don't feel like we're getting the respect as the daredevils we clearly are. Yeah, based on that, like, so, do you know what I mean? We're taking on the biggest fear of everyone else. Of everyone else. And doing it every it's day. It's a bigger fear than jumping yeah. off, like, a bridge or something. It's literally a bigger fear. We're doing that. Yeah. And yet, the, the you know... And th- but then I'm watching Zero Dark Thirty last night, and in the theater, there's a right. scene where the Navy SEAL team is playing horseshoes hours before they're about to go on this cover of night mission to take out Bin Laden in this compound they still don't really know that much about. And I'm realizing how my body is could not be more stressed out. I could have not have more adrenaline pumping. I'm shaking. And these guys, true, it's not a documentary. It's, <laughs> it's a piece of fiction. But uh, these guys are tossing horseshoes, and I'm just imagining that there's no version of my life where I could ever get to the point where these sort of things are normal enough that I could. And so I think those guys probably aren't that stressed, or else they wouldn't have gotten to the level they are as seals. But then you were playing horseshoes before the podcast, so that doesn't make you nervous <laughs> right. anymore. Whereas, But seriously, I think those people who are in those kind of situations, if they really did have the real physiological reaction to stress, they'd be useless. The same thing with a surgeon. They can't be, or else they wouldn't be but doing... part of that's just training, getting used to right. it. Like, yeah. Same yeah. With, it, with, our, with our job. Which I, I do stand by what you said, Will. I think we are braver than firemen or, or soldiers. <laughs> or Navy well, SEALs or I, I'm, just, I, I'm only taking a scientific approach to that topic. <laughs> but based on what we've talked about, it does seem that way. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I was bricking it before my first, say, five gigs. And then yeah. and, and pretty nervous for my next hundred. And 
quite nervous for my next 500 and then you know just you just it's get just, more and more used to it right right and same, is, with, same with soldiers is that what it is they, i like, would assume eventually they get blase they're sitting around in rooms going yeah i've seen him shoot i don't think it's that good actually yeah. <laughs> like, I've, seen, I've seen people shoot like that before a, <laughs> they must be i mean like getting aside, they must be like that's, that, that's the way i think johnny holds his gun like that yeah right man whatever get some new stuff why is everyone all on him so he killed Bin Laden. I've yeah. killed before. <laughs> I used to kill heaps on the road. Yeah, he gets sh- <laughs> <laughs> sure he gets results, but it's all fireworks. There's nothing. There's no depth to it. Yeah, yeah seriously. Oh, yeah. Shoot, like, where's the stuff? Come back in ten years and tell me who he shot then. <laughs> <laughs> so hacked for referencing that. Yeah. But yeah, so it, but if those guys could actually lower their stresses like that, it would make their immune systems more strong. And likewise, I guess lonely people uh, getting friends would help them out because according to this study, and I was wondering how they even did this, how they would tell how lonely people are, but um, they said the participants were 200 breast cancer survivors who were between two months and three years past completion of cancer treatment um, with an average age of 51 years, and their blood was analyzed for the presence of antibodies against um, Epstein-Barr virus and Cytomegalovirus, and both of those are herpes viruses that infect a majority of Americans. Um, about half of those infections don't produce illness, but once a person's infected, it stays in your system. And then if it's reactivated, um, that'll result in elevated antibody levels. So they could test against those things. Is that to stuff see like if- shingles that that causes? Because I know shingles I is a form of herpes. Yeah, they didn't really... Um, it's triggered by stress. And- I don't know. I've heard of Epstein-Barr. I don't know what the actual... Um, but either way, lonelier participants, which must have just been self-reported lonelier people... Uh, they had higher levels of antibodies against cytomegalovirus than did their less lonely participants. And um, those hi- higher levels were related to more pain, depression, and fatigue syndromes. So don't be lonely and don't be stressed. Uh, you heard it here first. Words to live by. Don't do those things. Although lo- loneliness is one of the key demographics of podcast audiences. So, <laughs> so put be, down the headphones. Be lonely enough that you still want to listen to podcasts. Or just think of us as no your friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not the unhealthy kind, just the yeah. kind that you keep subscribing. Yeah. Yeah. And tell your friends. Yeah. In fact, get some friends. Yeah. Tell them about exactly. the podcast. Tell them, and then you won't be lonely anymore. Yeah. And another yeah. way to not feel lonely is to go on iTunes and uh, <laughs> rate, rate us and give us nice comments. Right. And then talk to the other people who gave you nice comments. Yeah. It's a community. It's a circle. It's a self perpetuating yep. thing you're going to feel great about yourself throw us a review yep. we're going for the review version of a chain letter now <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't send yeah. it to five other people you'll get the Epstein bar virus oh my god I have a friend from back in Michigan who a great guy one of my best friends from high school but he uh, I don't know if, if he is obsessive compulsive in the rest of his life but in that one aspect of his life he's still superstitious he has still to forward out- every and he even sends an apology with it he's like I'm sorry guys <laughs> I have to do this. He just still thinks chain letters can can do him bad if he doesn't. I kind of like that. There's you know if you subscribe to that idea of like you know th- that very sci-fi pop idea of alternate universes where like yeah. you know if anything's kind of been thought of you know that happens somewhere. Okay. I do love the idea of a universe where he's right and where we're chain wrong. Letters are there. Like do you know what I mean? Like he's the one guy who's turned out to have incredible luck <laughs> based on that he's the only one who's still subscribing to passing on every chain letter. Yeah, and forward it. like it's not even letters anymore. Yeah. I remember like I it used to be letters. My sister got Actual one from letters. her friends at school and she was terrified. Yeah. And my my parents threw it away for her and she was she was in tears going, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna die. Bury, bury it. Bury uh, it. Yeah, and uh 
But now, now it's like YouTube comments, right? Like you see in the comment <laughs> under YouTube, like it'll be like, you know, this blah blah blah, funny stuff, and then someone else will write this sucks, and then someone else writes fuck Justin Bieber, and then underneath <laughs> that there'll be some one person going like, uh, forward this to tw- to five other, put the, po- repost this on five other YouTube clips, otherwise you'll get cancer. Yeah, the universe where th- where that works, the YouTube comments specifically would be such a like, so specific. There's some force at yeah, work. Yeah, if I was in charge of fate, I'd want someone to put the effort in at least. Yeah, yeah. Just, ah, you can just click to copy and paste. That's not right. <laughs> well, that's you know, you used to have to write out five separate letters and get five stabs. Yeah, like yeah. or photocopy it. Like you right? take it to your dad's work and photocopy it and change the name at the top. Exactly. It's like an insane person being nostalgic or no, telling the insane people of today how easy they have it. Like back in my day, I had to get out the typewriter from my <laughs> rambling missives. Yeah. If I, yeah. There's if not- I didn't want my parents' legs to fall off. <laughs> Nowadays. Guys, Fam- have it so fam- easy. Families of Nigerian scammers. Yeah. <laughs> sitting, sitting Nowadays, just control C. You guys don't even... <laughs> oh... Nigerian scammer is my favorite. I haven't gotten any in a while. If anybody is listening here from Nigeria, send me one. I miss those things. They're pretty fun to read. You know what someone did? Someone did tell me uh, recently, and it I think it might even be like a comment after we mentioned it on this show. But it does, it does hold up. There's some like, the logic does hold up for this. Someone said the reason why they're so badly written and they're so obvious. Oh, is, you th- I think you mentioned this on the show. Yeah, yeah it's actually t- is to filter out the less gullible people. To save them time. So you kind of go, like, when we look at those letters, you just go, well, this is obviously bullshit. Right. So we just press delete or send it on to our friends. Oh, because we want, uh, they, they, want, they want nothing to do with us because we're going to waste gonna, their time. Exactly. Because, yeah. yeah. like, even if you kind of fall through, like, the f- stage one, there's, like, right. five stages before you actually give, like, actually wire money to them. It's, a, right. it's their version of attention morons. Yeah. <laughs> right? They want to they get that sort of bottom point zero zero one percent because to optimize their scamming time. Right. That's well, it's like the green M and M's thing. I must have talked about this already. Also, the green M and M's thing in Van Halen's Rider back in the eighties. Yeah. Everyone always makes fun of us being they're such divas. They want only green M and M's. But that was just something they buried deep in the minutia of the writer, so that when they showed up, if that hadn't been done, they realized, oh, this is a place that didn't read the entire writer. We should be on our lookout because they might have also messed up in the construction of the stage and in the specifics of the things that are actually important to not kill people. Yep. So that's brilliant, really. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, exactly. It's sort of quality control. Yeah. Um, well, wow. do you have another story for us, Matt? I do. I, I'm, I'm erring between two stories. Here's one because it involves abusing animals to show that we shouldn't abuse animals in that beautiful <laughs> way that science sometimes has. Oh, science. So this is a found, scientists have found further evidence that crustaceans feel pain. Oh, um, by, by giving pain to crustaceans. Exactly that. <laughs> In the form of electric shocks. You've got to give some to get some, yeah. It's... Yeah, what? <laughs> I've mean, discovered they don't like this. <laughs> uh, and guys, remember, this is a repeatable experiment. Otherwise, because has... all scientific experiments have to be repeatable, otherwise they don't count. So we'll just test these results a few more times and show that... Has science figured out why you won't stop hitting yourself, though? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, so what, what they they did is they they had um they had these crabs uh, that they they put in a in a lighter in a lit up area um, where they felt all nice and safe, uh, which is a good you know you want to lull your animals into a full sense of security. But they normally take shelter under dark rocks during the day to avoid being spotted by predators. Yeah. Um, so. They, 
so they they put them they put them in this open area. Then they shone a bright light on them, and they scurry to one of two protected areas, like covered areas. Uh-huh. But one of those areas, when they got there, they got an electric shock. Okay. And they left. Uh, and then they put them back into the same tank, repeated it, and did it again. And the first time they did it, most of them moved back to the original shelter where they've been shot. Not that smart, the crabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are, so they haven't learned anything. But then when they repeated it again, it turns out like once you get shot twice in the same place, then they kind of go, then they avoid it and they go to the other one of the two dark shelters. Um, oh, okay. So, so shock, shock me once, shame on me. Shock me twice, twice. shame on me again. Yeah, no. I'm a crab. Yeah, I'm uh, just a crab. But shock, a me, crab. shock me eight times, which is apparently what they'd done by the end of this experiment. <laughs> they did this another eight times, but there were no more shocks, uh, but they continued to avoid the shelter where, they f- where they'd been sparked. So from that, they concluded it was more than a simple reflex reaction to pain, and they were learning from their experiences, uh, and it was driving their future choices. Um, so it also proved that they have memories, which maybe that wasn't. Yes, but it also means they have a perception of. It means they actually have a perception of pain above the basic reflex level, like it. Okay. it like it's beyond. Uh, like if 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 you put a pin, if like if I poke your arm with a pin, you'll you'll move away, and that's a reflex. That's not your conscious brain doing that. That's before your even conscious brain gets to it. Uh-huh. Um, but if I then make the same action. And you sort of back away in advance. That's you learning that you don't that that's painful and you don't like it. That's not a reflex, and that's what this experiment showed. Okay. This isn't just a kind of oh shit, like move instant without the brain functioning. They're actually perceiving and remembering pain, which then has uh, has big consequences for you as a pescatarian. Yeah, it does. Uh, um, do- or does it? Well, it kind of does. Well, it, it, they, the scientist, uh, Professor Elwood, who did this study, pointed out there were no regulations to protect the welfare of uh, sea animals, particularly. Uh, like, which, is, which is true, actually. As a, that does it, I should, that's something I probably should consider as a semi-ethical eating. But yeah, like you can't, if you get caught mistreating cows, then your farm gets fined, punished, shut down. Right. But in some fisheries, they'll cut the claws from live crabs and then the animal throw the animals back into the sea and do horrendous oh. stuff like that um and and you know they generally go ah oh, these things can't feel pain well it turns out they probably can yeah but i feel like that was never a real that was something that was i mean the same for fish that people would say but you know that in your heart of hearts not to be true but it's just more like this thing is so far removed from us uh you know, it doesn't have a face like ours, so it's okay. It's basically what it is. Like the closer it gets to human looking, the more weird we are about it, and the farther removed, the more okay we are. Um, well, Regardless co- of the logic, I think. Well, it turns out the the European Food Safety Authority said um, the, the organization had concluded that fish could feel pain, uh, but in the EU, um, decapods were not classified as sentient species. Which is kind of weird. I didn't right? even know that there was a classification of sentience among species. I guess That's- so. Yeah, it's just. Uh, um, There's always one rule for some, <laughs> yeah, another so. rule for the other. That's yeah, what yeah. it is. So the sentient, I, I think it's just uh, um, so it'd be like fish, animals, not plants. Um, Vicky from Small Wonder, right. <laughs> and and humans. Okay, so those. So now they're saying this might actually change some legislation. You're saying or- no. I mean, this is just the research. This is just research they've just published. Right, but okay. it, it does throw an extra light on the kind of ah, oh, these are just we can just yeah. do whatever we like to crap. 
I don't really Plus, know. Plus, it's really good for those restaurants, uh, you know, where you can get the crabs in the water and the lobsters yeah. in the water and stuff, because now it really is like prison. Yeah. Now well, it really, really is. There like is these- a bar. This is like, I couldn't believe this. It feels so wrong. Uh, there's a bar that I went to um, a couple of months ago. It's near LAX. Mm-hmm. And they have like a, a lobster tank. It was either lobster or crab tank. I think it was lobster. Uh that is rigged up as one of those grabber machines. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> like at the fairgrounds. Terrible. <laughs> so you put your money in, uh, and then you sort of move the claw back and forward, and then press go, and it goes down and tries to grab the oh, lobster. No. And if you get it, if it get, if you get it and it drops down, then the, the, the kitchen takes it away and cooks it for you. It's when I hear things oh, like... You, you don't have to pay for it. It's like you pay... You... Well, you pay for... You pay like... You pay like a dollar or something, so, or like put in a couple of quarters to to play the game. That's great. That's this is also horrendous. Like I was watching it, just go, this is fucking awful. It is literally one of those moments where I pray that at some stage an alien uh, species comes to Earth and they see us as in un- un- unintelligent cattle in the same way as we see humans. Yeah, just suddenly yeah, those a other big things. claw and come- a claw comes down and just like grabs us, but then misses slightly, and then yeah. his booming voice go, "Oh shit!" Right, and we're we're running away. They're having a great time. <laughs> But insult to injury. Someone else is going, oh, these humors are always rigged. Yeah. <laughs> you never it's get being, them. There's one alien in the corner going, I just did a study. They feel pain. People are laughing <laughs> it off. <laughs> <laughs> laughing it off. They should at least make the claw. They should doll it up to look like a lobster or a crab. Like some kind of, <laughs> so it's like one of their own is coming to, oh, oh my God. I don't know that would terrible. Be, please, I don't know whether that would be reassuring or more horrendous. Like if horrible. You, what would scare you more as a human? If like a claw came from the sky, <laughs> or, or another human slowly defended, <laughs> like a, a, oh my God. descended, just wrapped himself around you, and then just gathered you up into the clouds, just did like the Bugs Bunny and drag kind of trick. Like, <laughs> Come here, what's this? Oh, we're bad people. Oh, that actually reminds me of a story that I didn't uh, bring up only because I couldn't find legitimate science behind it. But um, we were going to talk about it on the show, and then I think Chelsea lately already discussed it but have you heard about how uh, pubic lice aka crabs oh uh, they're gonna be gone because of everyone Extinct. getting getting waxed bikini waxing. really but then i read uh, some other things about whether that's actually the reason i guess that is happening but it's dubious whether that's the actual cause of it that but, would be part of it though right that that, that could maybe, be a contributing yeah. factor well, i don't know if they only live on humans or if uh, but it's, it's got to be lowering it's got to be lowering their habitat like uh, right it's yeah. like the amazon <laughs> Yeah, it's like people yeah, lived in the Amazon. Like, if there's no Amazon, you can't live there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, how do you guys are you guys contributing to this problem? Or uh... oh, I, I'm I'm currently uh, I'm unvaccinated. <laughs> the crabs to the crabs. Yeah, I'm... as a political experiment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I wonder where that is. That you know, like with with the problem with measles and the measles vaccine that we we're talking about beforehand. Uh, the problem isn't necessarily that you know these sort of. Uh, middle class parents who just go I don't want my child to have the vaccine that that kid's probably fine that kid will be fine but it's the immunocompromised kid like the kid who was ill or or the older person who who had cancer or had chemotherapy who comes into contact with your kid like your kid gets measles and is in bed for a week but then that kid gets measles and dies but once once enough people are vaccinated then you get herd uh, uh, protection like you get um, the you get herd immunity, and I, I wonder whether that's what's happened with with the hair. I wonder whether we've just like there are still people with hair, but enough people 
have got rid of it now that just generally that it's becoming it's a losing game. And, yeah. and, and in a lot of those relationships, like, because you're talking also hair to hair transfer, right? Yeah. So, like, even if one of them doesn't have hair. Right, yeah. Oh, do you yeah. mean, like, you know, it's not like you need both. No, no, exactly. So, you know, you could, if, you know, I, I, I could have crabs right now. Yeah. I don't have crabs right now. <laughs> <laughs> let the record show. But, uh, but then if I slept you with someone... you just saying it doesn't mean let the record show, by the way. <laughs> like, I don't feel like that backs that up. Like, let the record show that I don't have crabs. No, you just said that. Well, hey, ha- you could I, just, I just used a legal term. Yeah. <laughs> How could I I be lying when I just, I used a phrase that's taken exactly from the courtroom. Why are there still people dying of diseases? Why didn't they know about this loophole? (laughs) Let the record show I don't have cancer. Let the record show I am in remission. Yeah, that's all the record shows it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's check the record. He allowed the record to show that, he said. So, okay. So, it's a moment of silence for um, pubic lice. And and for and for the uh, part of your life that it predicated upon you yeah. thinking that crabs didn't feel pain, should we have a That's, should we have a minute's itch in in memory? A minute long. Itch. I feel like this study isn't finished until we know whether pubic lice feel, feel pain. pain. <laughs> <laughs> Collectively, are they sort of like having? <laughs> is it sort of like the the, na- the North American native? Uh, so, uh, no, I don't want to even go down this. This road. this might be a weird question for me to ask, but like, what is the difference between head lice and pubic loss. We looked this up at work when this came up. Oh, someone, it's, someone um, thought it's the, that the it nurse at school can only check for the headlights. <laughs> <laughs> Better answer. <laughs> so wait, when they lined us all up and, oh wait, that must not have been a real nurse. Mm. What we went is to it? a what? public school, you guys. We did stuff a little different. What is the actual So difference? pubic comb isn't a thing that I should have... <laughs> Uh, you'll have to see the PE teacher for that examination. <laughs> your pubic comb, you're just all of you are in front of the mirror like the fonts, like parting it. <laughs> so what, what is the, what is the uh, medical uh, they, biological difference between the two? We um, determine well they're, they're different species. They look a lot different. The pubic lice looks more like. Uh, let me bring up the side by side image again. Um, a head louse is much longer and it has a longer I guess abdomen or I don't know cephalothorax I'm gonna make <laughs> I don't know the part below the legs is a lot longer on the head louse and the pubic louse is a lot um, rounder and it looks more like an actual looks a fair amount like a crab actually and it has uh, it has those are pinchers Jesus yeah the pubic louse looks a lot more angry he's ready for business he's uh, <laughs> He's got it in for you. Yeah, so you, two different species. I guess he's got a smaller area to grip onto, hasn't he? He's got like less to. Well, I guess. year by year, <laughs> like he's seen it get smaller and smaller over the years. That's the, a single teardrops rolling down his face. <laughs> he's, he's like a polar bear. You know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. just sees it go. Um, can I? Can, can they live in both areas? Like, can head lice live in your pubes, and can pubic lice live in your? Looking that up as we speak as well. Like, why? Why would they one be like? Is it the density of the hair or the no, I don't curliness know. of the hair? Like, why does one just stay in one area and not the other? You'd think hair's hair, right? It says uh, the pubic louse is typically found in the pubic area, but it also may live in other areas of hair, including the eyelashes. Uh, they oh feed God. exclusively on blood. Humans are the only known hosts of this parasite. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, just by the way, like, you're going badly when you have crabs in your eyelashes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it you just shows that you're a considerate lover. <laughs> <laughs> 
How did it go on your day? Well, she has crabs in her eyelashes. So that comes from, I guess, uh, a downstairs butterfly kiss would be what that would be. Right? That's, I don't know how that would happen. Um, let's see. Description. An adult crab louse is about 1.2 to 2 millimeters long. Mm-hmm. Um, rather smaller than the body louse or head louse. Um, as I said, the, another distinguishing feature is that the, the, the back two pairs of legs of a crab louse are much thicker than the front legs and they're equipped with large claws. Yeah, this thing is terrifying looking. Oh, and they have an image of pubic lice on eyelashes. Wow. This is somebody whose life is not going well. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of them. That's foul. Um, infestation mean, of humans, let's say. It says that um, the main symptom is itching. Um, resulting from the hypersensitivity of the louse saliva, which can become stronger over two or more weeks following initial infestation. So they're not biting you; they're they're sort of sucking spitting. your blood. Oh, they are sucking your yeah. blood, right? Okay. And, the and it's saliva, the saliva going in that's making me itchy. I and mean, people itchy. It doesn't really say why they can't live in head hair. I don't see an explanation for why that wouldn't be the case, or vice versa. But it does seem to be. Yeah, I guess they only. Um, live on humans and mainly in the pubic area so uh, we're getting rid of their habitat yeah one of the articles i saw cited a ridiculous statistic about the number of people that that wax um it was it was like the majority which i really have a hard time believing even though it is prevalent in you know in certain demographics i wouldn't have thought that it's that much of a thing um but anyhow so that's probably about the point in the show we start talking about eyelash pubic lice that we should wrap things up do you have any shows coming up in la area you want to plug uh um uh, well this is on the internet right it goes to all sorts of places tomorrow on the 21st great um yeah i'm i'm doing some shows uh i am going to the vancouver comedy festival in february and then i'm uh at uh acme in minneapolis and then i'm at comedy works in denver i'm those are great clubs i'm gonna see you at the festival i'll be there for that as well Uh, the the vancouver comedy Festival. yeah but those are two of my favorite clubs in the country they, they, have, they are they good, are, great, are they? Yeah. Uh, everyone's been places. saying that. That's good. I'm glad. Um, so I'll be there. Please come. And uh, what is your website or Twitter people can go to to see the yeah, specifics? Yeah, uh, Twitter, Will underscore Anderson. That's the best place. Go to Twitter. We are going to, I mean, we're going to, like, this podcast is going to really bump your numbers. Oh. You're going to see a gonna spike. Get the prop side bump. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the young, your hundreds of thousands <laughs> is going to notice a real. Here's what I am going to notice, though. Uh, I tell you what, like bit of Yahoo serious talk on this. <laughs> you are going to get big Australian download numbers. That's all I'm saying. You watch for the Australia spike. Awesome. Next week, you may only have to talk about Australia. You might have to go through the science in Young Einstein and explain <laughs> which of it makes sense. Just well, next week's guest is Paul Hogan. So I'm hoping right. that we do well for ourselves. We'll see if that. I don't know if it, that name still carries the weight it used to, but. Uh, uh, that's not a podcast. That's a- <laughs> uh, Liz, th- well, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Um, as, as always, listeners, if you've enjoyed us, like we said earlier, please do rate us. Please comment. Uh, any comments, questions, corrections, email probablyscience at gmail.com or tweet us at probablyscience. Uh, tell your friends, spread the word. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us. We'll see you next week. See you then. Bye.